We come to recognize you as King of kings and Lord of lords tonight. Oh, Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. Oh, the turmoil that's going on around us. This is a place we need to be right now. We need to be in His presence and in His midst and let Him minister to us. Those watching my live stream, He's in your home just as He's here. Bask in His presence. Soak up His glory right now. Put aside everything else. Put aside every other thought of all that's going on and go deeper into His presence right now. We've come to worship you, Lord. We've come to worship you, Lord. Oh, we've come to worship you. Hallelujah. 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 If you've come in tonight with a heaviness, if you're watching my live stream and you have a heaviness, release it. Release it to him right now. Let it go. Let it go. Let God take care of your situation. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 If you need a touch in your body tonight, Accept it. Receive it. Receive it. The price has already been paid. Receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. There's a fresh wind coming through here right now. There's a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit coming through the sanctuary and coming through this camera right now. God's touching and changing situations. Things that we've tried to change for years, God's changing right now. Release your control and let him be in control. Breathe in the freshness of the Spirit right now. Let the next breath you take be the Holy Spirit filling you afresh and anew. 
Let the next breath you exhale be the junk the enemy's put in, releasing it, letting it go right now. Dr. Cheryl preached on the upper room this morning. It's nothing more than a room. We're the place where the Spirit dwells. Let Him dwell in you right now like never before. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your presence tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence tonight. We thank you, Father, that you've not taken your hand off of us tonight. You're alive and well. And we become on behalf tonight. We come on behalf of the lost tonight. We thank you for their salvations. We thank you for their salvations. Lord, on this behalf of this congregation, on behalf of this network, I thank you for Bishop and Dr. Cheryl. I thank you for the leadership they bring to us. And I ask you, God, to bless them abundantly in all that they do. Touch them and strengthen them. As Bishop's watching my live stream, I ask even now, touch him, Lord. Touch him. May he feel your touch even now. We lift the network. Lord, a pandemic that's touched the globe. Oh, but you're more powerful than this. And I lift the network before you. And even during this time, we become stronger in sharing your word and bringing faith to others. An increase in our belief. An increase in our ministry, Lord, not for our sake, but for yours. An increase in desire to share your word like never before. For the chaplains, as they go about as a ministry to the unchurched outside the four walls, bless, Lord. Bless abundantly. And once again, we bring to you Apostle and Sister C and Dr. Garner, thank you for the years that they have served you. God, I pray the latter years you touch them, strengthen them, give them the energy to fight the fight as they continue doing your work. And tonight we ask you to have your way. Fresh touch and anointing upon Dr. Cheryl as she brings the word. Open our ears, Lord. Let us hear. Open our spirits to receive. And tonight we're careful to give you all the thanks and all the glory. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you are just glad to be alive tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. I just thank God for our awesome musicians and worship people. I thank God for Pastor Eric. I thank God for 
Pastor Michael and Miguel. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And Pastor Eric's brother. What an awesome addition. And Arthur, we just love you guys. You just bring down the presence of God. Give God a praise for our wonderful worship. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God is good. And I want to just encourage you tonight. Uh, I don't know. The governor was on this evening, watched her, and I didn't hear her and lock anything down. So, uh, but she just wants us to use wisdom. Amen. And I thank God for her. I pray for her. And uh, all she's saying is that, you know, we've gone through this whole pandemic, and the one thing that works real, real good are those masks. So I just encourage you to wear them, when, especially if you go into a place of business. Because uh, how many of you know as Christians, it's a good witness for us, and people know and realize that we care about each other. Amen? And uh, I want to share with you tonight something that God really laid on my heart, and that is about doing His will. So I called this, Not My Will, But Yours. How many of you find sometimes that's a hard thing to say? Not my will, but yours, God. Whatever you want, God. Now, it's easy to say that when things are going the way we like them to go. But when they're not going that way, it's harder to say, Not my will, God, but yours. But I want to look tonight at Gethsemane. Now we hear about Gethsemane in the scriptures, and especially we hear a lot about it during the Easter season, right? But I want to take a look at what it means in the Hebrew, Gethsemane. I want us to really begin to dig down and understand what was the significance of Gethsemane. Let's look at Luke chapter 22 tonight, verse 41 and 42. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He withdrew about a stone's throw from where the disciples had joined him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I was at Gethsemane. It's one of the few places in Israel that they have not managed to commercialize. They have not been able to change a lot of things. The very tree that's in the center of that garden is a zillion years old, thousands of years old, and it's still there. Probably was the tree that Jesus was praying right there next to. But it's a smaller garden. It's not roomy. So the reality of when it says in the scriptures that Jesus went a stone's throw, he wasn't very far away from them. Sometimes you see pictures 
of Gethsemane and that, that particular uh, moment, you see the disciples and you see Jesus and they're, they're way over here and he's way over there, but it's not like that. Gethsemane is rocky. It's a little garden area. And all the little trees that surround the main tree in the center aren't too far from each other. So they were like literally not that far away from Jesus as he was praying and they were praying. Gethsemane means oil press. That's the Hebrew word for Gethsemane, oil press. Because Israel is rich in olives and olive oil. Olives go through three pressings. When they press out the olives, they go through three pressings so they can get all the oil out of the olives. How many of you appreciate olive oil? We love it. Now everybody's cooking with coconut oil and all these different oils but for the most part especially I grew up in an Italian Jewish home but my mother learned more how to prepare Italian food and so uh, olive oil was a staple and Bishop's Italian he's 100% so even in throughout our marriage olive oil is a staple in the house it's like having butter bread but the oil, the olives, go through that squeezing, that smashing, that crushing process three times. Three times they have to be crushed and pressed and just flattened out so that they can get as much oil out of them as they can. The interesting thing is that theologians believe there was a connection between the three times that every bit of oil has to come out, Jesus asked the Father three times in the Scriptures. We're not going to look at that, but Matthew 26 and verse 39, in verse 42, and in verse 44, Jesus asked, let this cup pass from me. Let this season of crushing pass from me. Let this time where I'm going to be flattened out. I'm going to be crushed. I'm going to be smashed down. Let this cup pass from me, God. How many of you have ever been through a pressing situation where you feel like you've been crushed? Where you feel like, where is everybody that cared now? Because now I'm just, my back's to the wall. I'm as flat into this wall is the wall itself. That's how Jesus felt. Jesus felt crushed by the weight of sin. Our sin. The sin of all humanity. But in order for us to experience the light of his salvation, he had to be crushed and every ounce of his oil and anointing had to come out so that we could live with him forever. 
Imagine going through stuff where you get crushed and you're doing it for someone else and you don't even know them. Wow. How many of you hear what I'm saying? How many of us even today, if someone approached you and said, hey, I need a live, uh, well, what are they, transplant? I don't know. I need a kidney transplant. Can I have one of your kidneys? You'd be like, uh, no. That's kind of personal, and I think I'd want to give that to someone I know. And yet Jesus said, no problem, crush me. Crush me, get every ounce of oil out of me so that people 2,000 years from now, 3,000 years from now, can live forever. I mean, really, we weren't even a thought in his mind, right? But he knew he had to do this. Um, what is a garden? In the Aramaic, it's a place or an enclosed piece of ground. The Garden of Gethsemane is an enclosed piece of ground. Now, they've erected a little wire fence all the way around the garden now. Pretty much so people don't trample it down. But we got to walk in it. And just walking around, it's not huge. It's like one of these community gardens you see. And so here was where Jesus and his disciples went. And John alone describes it as a garden. And this is where Jesus chose to spend his last final moments of his life. In the garden. Crying out to the Father. Three times. Father, can this cup pass? Can I get out of this in any way? How many of you thank God he didn't let that cup pass? Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you that I said yes to God, that I said, yes, Lord, come in, live in my heart. Thank you. You know, maybe if you're out here tonight and you've never done that, you just don't, you know about Jesus, you know that he died, rose again, but you didn't really make that a personal thing for you. You didn't really say, come on in, Lord, you take over my life. If that's you and you're watching by live stream or if you're sitting in the building tonight and you just, you've never had that opportunity to just say, come on, Jesus, do something in my life. Live inside of me. I want to do that right now. I would never want to miss an opportunity where we can give our heart to Christ. So will you just pray with me this evening because the very oil that was pressed out of him 
is allowing you tonight to say yes to Christ and yes, Jesus, come and live in my heart and take over. Pray with me. Say, Lord, I know that you died for me. You rose again and you ascended into heaven for me. Lord, come in. Come on in, Jesus. Take over this life of mine. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you that you will be Lord of my life. I don't want to do this without you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Awesome. And if that's the first time you've done that live stream, family, then that's awesome. But if you're even rededicating your life tonight, saints, that's awesome. Because he went through the press. He went through the press to give us that. Listen, how many of you ever heard them people say, oh, uh, his blood was spilled? His blood was spilled for us. No, it wasn't. No, his blood was never spilled. Spilled means it's an accident. When you spill something, you didn't mean to do that, right? His blood was shed for us. His blood was shed on purpose for us. It was no accident. He meant to. How many of you thank God he did? Hallelujah. In Matthew 26 and in verse 36, let's take a look at this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, the oil press. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He went and he took his disciples. He spent his final hours here before the arrest. Again, I want you to just understand how small it is. So here comes all these guards and all these uh, like uh, arresting officers to take him. And the craziness of it is He couldn't go anywhere anyway. But they were so concerned. They were so afraid that they brought all kinds of reinforcements. So here he is. He spends his last moments here. I want to look tonight for a minute at the significance of this. What was it about Gethsemane? What was it about the garden? First of all, here's an interesting point. The fall of man, when Adam fell and Eve fell, where was it? It was in the garden. Here's Jesus giving himself freely to appease Turn around, if you will, what occurred in the first garden. Here he is, and he is 
There was the first Adam, and the first Adam fell, correct? First Adam messed up in the garden. But here comes Jesus, the second Adam. And he comes into the garden, and he gives his life freely to atone for the sin of mankind. Wow. I noticed this about Jesus throughout the entire Bible. Whenever there is an opportunity to recap a situation and reverse it, he does that. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to turn around the fall of man in the first garden. When Peter denies Jesus three times, and he does that at the coal of fire in the palace garden. Jesus turns around and goes after the, res after the uh, resurrection, and he goes to the beach, and they're fishing out there, and he makes a coal of fire, and he calls Peter back to the coal of fire, in the, and he calls them in to have breakfast in John 21. And he says three times to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? It's like he reversed the curse of Peter saying, I don't know him. I don't know that man. I don't know him. Jesus is so awesome about turning our lives around and making that sin as if it never happened. Wow. So the significance of that Gethsemane garden was that's where Adam fell and Jesus turns right around and reverses that curse. And he gives himself freely to atone for the sin of man in the garden. Secondly, the title that we see often in the New Testament given to Jesus is Jesus the Christ. Right? How many of you grew up thinking that Christ was his last name? Jesus Christ. But Christ means the anointed one. It's Greek for Mashiach, Messiah. And it means the anointed one. Now here's the interesting thing. Because it's a mystery when you really think about it. People gave him that title. Jesus, the Christ. They would refer to him that way. I don't think they realized half of the time what they were saying. Jesus, the Christ. Oh, yeah, that's that Jesus, the Christ. He calls himself Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. Or people call him Jesus, the anointed one. So how many of you ever had a name that just kind of fit you and it went with you your whole life? Mine, growing up, they never called me Cheryl. Nobody called me Sherry. It was uh, Cheryl. It was always Sherry. 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 I never answered to Cheryl until I, I got older and I married Bishop, actually. In fact, when we got married, uh, 
We went to my brother's to visit my brother one time after we got married. And all my nieces and nephews, I have seven nieces and nephews. Now I have like 17 great nieces and nephews. But they would all gather around. And if Bishop called me Sherry, I mean Cheryl, they'd all come around me and whisper, why does he call you that? And I'd say, why does he call me what? He calls you Cheryl. That's weird. It's Aunt Sherry. See, Jesus was called Jesus the Christ, the the anointed one. Now, here's the interesting point about that. The ancient Israel kings anointed with olive oil, they were anointed with olive oil as a sign of being chosen by God to rule. Don't you think that's interesting? Because they literally took on a custom that they attributed to Jesus without realizing they were saying he was chosen by God. He was chosen by God to rule. And yet here they were in the garden that night ready to kill him, arrest him, put him to death, crucify him. These are the mysteries that we as the people of God, we have to take a look at from time to time. Jesus was referred to as the promised king and redeemer to establish the kingdom of God. That's what was prophesied. Let's look at Isaiah 11 in verse 1 and 2. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Who's that? Jesse was the father of David. The shoot from the stump would be Jesus. Because Jesus' bloodline refers all the way back to David and Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. See, they couldn't deny. That's why they gave him that name. They couldn't deny there was something different about Jesus. People that would meet him would like just know this guy does miracles. There's something not natural about this guy. I mean, who would give their lives for people? And yet, this was the title given to him. He came from the line of David. He spent the very last moments of his life in a garden, in an olive garden. The very kind of tree that symbolized his role as Messiah. That very kind of tree. Let's look at Jeremiah thirty-three fifteen. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. How many of you know that Jesus is that righteous branch? Everything that Jesus did in his life was a symbol or a type of something, and it all brought us back to the message of the gospel 
and to the Father. Jesus lived to do that. He would only talk when the Father told him to talk. He would only do what the Father told him to do. What can we learn from his life? How many of you would say, yes, I only want to speak when God tells me to speak? Be a very quiet atmosphere. I only want to do what God tells me to do. That means you can't get ugly at people when you want to. It means you can't get ugly at people when you have the right to. How many times do you hear somebody say, that's not right what they did? It wasn't right what they did to Jesus. But he was Jesus, the anointed one. And the interesting thing, saints, is that he calls us to be anointed. He calls us to be anointed ones. Those that will live with his spirit in us and live holy, live righteous, live to love people. If I had to say the one thing that we need so desperately in this hour, it is to be a people of love. Because the world out there is not very loving. Not very lovable. And yet he's calling us. He's saying, I want you to cry out, not my will, but yours, Lord. So what if you get offended? Lay it down. Not my will, but yours, Lord. So what if someone says something and it's untrue about you? Not my will, but yours, Lord. So what if a family member turns their back on you? Not my will, but yours, Lord. So what? He's saying, I know you're going through the press. How many of you feel really pressed in this hour? People are hurting. They're depressed. They're feeling abandoned. They're feeling unprotected. They're full of fear. They're feeling like there's no hope. And he's saying to us, people are being pressed. I've called you. He's called me to go and be Jesus to people. The third thing that's important and kind of significant is Jesus asked three guys to go with him into the garden. Now, you know there were more than that. You know there were, well, 12 minus Judas. There were 11 by that time. Uh, and so Jesus, out of the 11, asked the three that were closest to him, hey, come with me to the garden. Come with me and watch and pray. Now, how many of you have some really close friends? You have some really good friends that you really trust, that you love, that they love you back, and you really value their relationship. And how would you feel if you say to them, hey, I want you to come with me 
And I just want you to sit and pray while I go through what I have to go through here. But I really want you with me. And I just want you to watch and, and just pray. And you go and you're not, you're a stone's throw from them. You're not far from them. And you're there and you're going through this very hard time. And you turn around and they're sound asleep. Sound asleep. And how would you feel? Wow. I must really be important to them. He has three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he says, look at Matthew 26, look at verse 38. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Pray and watch with me. Now, he didn't try to sugarcoat it. He didn't say, hey, guys, I'm going through a little something. Can you just kind of sit here and just kind of watch with me? I'm going to go over here and pray. He goes, I am so full of sorrow that I think I'm going to die. Or I'm so depressed, I want to die. Or I'm so feeling so helpless, I just don't want to live anymore. Have you ever run into people like that? Do you know people like that? Do you encounter people like that? And yet, how many people do you know would turn around and just go fall asleep? Or say, not my issue, not my problem. I'm sorry to hear that, you know. I'll pray for you. Saints, it's going on around you all over the place. People are so full of sorrow. People are so feeling helpless. People are so broken. And we, the church, got to do something different. Church ain't about no brick and mortar. We have to be the ecclesia, the church. We got to be the Jesus the Christ. We got to walk in his love, his care, his compassion, his heart for people. He says, can you just watch and pray with me, guys? See, early on in the ministry, here's another perception I I feel like the Lord gave me. Early on in the ministry, Jesus was tempted by the enemy three times, correct? He went to the mountains to pray. And uh, in the mountain, at the mountaintop, the enemy came to him and tempted him three times. And what worked was that Jesus stayed in an attitude of prayer. He stayed before the Father and he was tempted three times while he was fasting and praying. And he came away from that experience, driven into that experience, it says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he came away from that experience victorious. He had told that devil where to go and what to do. And the key I want you to see is that he probably 
went to the garden with the three of them because they were so close to him. And he said, man, if it worked for me in the mountaintop when I was victorious over the enemy by fasting and praying, then I want these three who are closest to my heart, I want them to experience that victory so I will have them pray and watch. And I'm sure he felt like, man, if they would pray and watch, then if they pass the test the way I pass the test, man, they're going to be awesome for the Father. But that's not what happened. All three times, every time Jesus said, we you just pray and watch? One hour, one hour, guys. And all three times, they fell asleep. Now I want you to understand something. Do you think they did that on purpose? No. No. Maybe they were extremely tired. But how many of you know that experience of trying to read your Bible while you're lying in bed and you're desperately trying to read the Word and you go to sleep? You're trying to get some word in you before the, before you lights out for the night and you can read word one and already you feel like you're sound asleep. See, that's that same thing they were going through. He's saying, just watch and pray with me, man, just an hour and bam, out like lights. Jesus knew. Jesus knew something that they didn't. Well, what was that, Pastor Cheryl? Jesus knew, first of all, that the, the devil wanted to sift Peter. Did he not? He said, Peter, the enemy desires to sift you. Jesus knew that. He knew that Satan wanted to mess them up. But he also knew that Satan couldn't do it because Jesus intercedes for us at the throne, right? So he wanted them to pray. Look at Luke 22, verse 32. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He's the God of the living. Jesus says, I'm the God of the living. So if I'm telling you to pray, guys, it's because I know that you can resist this temptation. I know you can. I know you can watch and pray with me for one hour. You're going to resist this enemy, and you're going to come out, bam, stronger. And I want you to think about this. Just what if? Just what if uh, Peter would have prayed and watched? And resisted that temptation to sleep. Just what if uh, Jesus would have, you know, said, hey guys, will you go pray and watch one hour? And here's Peter. Oh no, this devil's not getting me. And he starts doing jumping jacks and praying anything to stay awake. And he starts praying and he's just interceding for Jesus. What if? He wouldn't have fallen asleep. They wouldn't have fallen asleep. What if maybe Peter wouldn't have denied Jesus three times? 
Maybe history would have been written differently. When we go through the olive presses of life, he's going to say to us, I want you to watch and pray. I want you to watch and pray. I want you to be aware that the enemy's lurking to mess you up, and I want you to pray. And I want to tell you, if there was ever a time that we should be watching and praying, it's right now. We live in a culture and a society where people need Jesus. And I'm telling you, nobody is going to take Jesus to people except us, the saints. We can sit here and we can vote this law into place and put that rule in place and vote that person in and this person in. Nothing is going to change our nation except Jesus Christ to change hearts in our nation. Right? You can have all the greatest laws written, but until the heart of man is changed... Until the heart of a woman is changed. Until the saints of God are on their face crying out, saying, Lord, heal our land. Have mercy on America. And Lord, touch us and heal our land. And then when you meet up with folks, you bring the love of Christ. The love of Jesus. Well, they don't think the way I think. They don't have to. They don't have to believe what you believe. They don't have to look like you think they should look. They don't have to say the things you think they should say. They just have to be who they are. You love them, accept them, and forgive them. That's the mission of this house. You love them no matter what. You accept them just the way they are. And if there's something not right, you pray God change them. And then you forgive them when they lash out or when they walk away or whatever. That's our job. That's all Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't go run and picket places and, you know, look what he said about Caesar. He goes, hey, man, give to Caesar what's due Caesar. You got to pay tax, pay the tax. Don't go burning and, and looting and killing. So who's going to watch and pray? Who's going to do it? It's got to be the church. We got to do it. The body of Christ. We got to make the difference. We got to look out there and say, okay, I'm going to watch and pray. What are you watching for? Every opportunity you can to tell somebody about Jesus. Every opportunity you can to say, hey, do you need prayer for anything? Every opportunity you can, you're watching to see, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Who should I speak to? And then you pray. You pray that you have an open door. You pray that you say exactly what God wants you to say. No matter what, you go to lunch, 
Talk to the waitress. Talk to the waiter. You go to your doctor's office, talk to the gals or the guys that are behind the desk. I walked into a doctor's office last week, had to have a test done. Gal behind the counter, she took my information, and she goes, okay, you can have a seat, and we'll be right with you. I said, okay, but do you know Jesus Christ? And she just looked at me, and she goes, yeah. I said, awesome. I said, just want to make sure. I said, are you a believer? Do you love him with your whole heart? She says, I do. She says, but I won't go to church. And I knew in my mind, I thought, Yes, Lord, this is an opportunity. I didn't go, you don't go to church. Oh, my God, what's wrong? I didn't do that. I just looked at her and I said, oh. I said, okay, well, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that's what matters. She goes, don't you want to know why I don't go to church? I said, sure, why don't you go to church? She says, because my pastor propositioned me. And, I'm, and he's married to my first lady. I said, well, that's not a good thing. I said, but the only thing I would tell you is don't give up on Jesus or the church. Just leave that pastor. Leave that church. She looked me right in the eye with tears in her eyes. She goes, why didn't I think of that? I says, because you're hurt. So she let me pray with her. She let me renew, you know, pray with her to renew her relationship with Christ. And I left her my card and I said, come see us sometime. I said, I promise you that won't happen. Saints, it's like the biggest ocean out there and the greatest opportunities. And all we got to do is watch and pray. Well, Dr. Cheryl, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm going through some awful situations and circumstances. We all do. Right? I don't know of a person in here that if I said, hey, are you going through anything? They go, oh, no, my life's a breeze. I don't know about anybody like that. Every one of us, we're all at Gethsemane to some degree. We're all in the press. We're all getting every ounce of oil pressed out of us. Why? Because it's what comes out after the pressing is over. That's what's so awesome. See, the crushing, your circumstance, your situation, your crushing circumstances, that's what brings out the most awesome you that there is. That's what brings out the true inner value of who you are. And that's a good thing. Let's pray tonight and ask that Holy Ghost to change us and make us into what God wants us to be through the press that we're in. Father, I just thank you tonight. Just begin to tell him you love him. Just begin to thank him for his presence in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are ever present. You are my Holy Spirit, my Ruach HaKodesh. You are there for me. 
Lord, I just pray tonight that every person here, if we're going through the press, first of all, God, nobody's alone. We're praying one for another here tonight, God. Just begin to pray. And don't pray for yourself. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray for the person sitting across from you, behind you, in front of you. Father, we pray tonight for one another. We pray for every situation and every circumstance. Father, you're pressing all the oil out. You're getting every last drop. And God, we just want to be the very thing you want us to be at the end of the press. Lord, we just thank you tonight for what you're doing in our lives. It doesn't always feel good, and we don't always understand what you're doing, and somehow maybe we may never understand what you're doing until we get to be with you, and then it won't even matter anymore. But Lord, we love you tonight. We pray that the press, the pressing, pressing, pressing of your Holy Spirit in our lives and in our circumstances just make us in to what you want us to be. Make us become who you want us to become. Make us kingdom people that will do your will. God, it's so not about us. It's all about you. Lord, teach us to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Teach us to watch so that we see that enemy coming and we don't fall to his temptations. We don't fall to his temptations with our mouth. We don't fall to his temptations with our actions. We don't fall to his temptations with our thoughts. But we give it all to you tonight. Guard and protect our spirit, soul, and body. Lord, cause us to pray. Pray. Pray all the time before we'll say anything. Let us pray. Teach us to pray in the Holy Ghost all day, all night, so that we're not saying stuff we shouldn't say. God, we just surrender everything to you tonight. We look to you. We trust you. We thank you. If you just want God to do that in your life tonight, just lift your hands up. Just a way to acknowledge that, yes, I want that for my life. I want God to do that in me. God, you see these hands. You see that we want nothing more than to be servants of the Most High God, nothing more than to be all that you've called us to be. We want to be a righteous, holy people, not self-righteous, but broken, humbled, and willing to do your will and purpose. Change us. 
Change us, God. Change our words. Change our thoughts. Change our actions. But we want it, Lord. We want everything you have for us. Hallelujah. Now I want you to just begin to thank him for what he's doing. Thank him. If you raised your hands, thank him. Receive it. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just give you all the glory tonight. We worship you. Thank you, Father. I just challenge you this week, my live stream family and even the folks here, our family, I challenge you to sit in your prayer closets or just sit, if you don't have a prayer closet, sit in your living room, sit in your bedroom, sit at the kitchen table, but just sit in his presence and say nothing and just let him speak to your thoughts and tell him, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to know what you're saying to me. Tell me something. And he will. He'll speak to your heart. And just let him. Just sit silently. Don't ask him for nothing. Just sit and let him soak you in his presence and change you. And if you feel like crying, cry. But those are some of the most precious times of your existence with God is when you're just before him and he's doing that work in you. So I challenge you to that this week. I challenge you to just find one person in your sphere as you go through the week and just ask them, say, hey, is there anything? I'm a Christian and I just love the Lord. And is there anything that you need prayer for? You will be amazed. A lot of times we think people will shun us or think we're crazy or you'll be amazed because they'll turn right around and say yeah this happened in my life my mom is sick my dad's dying whatever and it'll blow your mind and then make sure that you pray with him he went to Gethsemane crushed with the weight of our sin it's the least we can do for him amen Praise God. Have an awesome week. We have the basket up here. If you came late and you wanted to drop in your tithe or you just want to plant a seed offering, we are giving away 40 Thanksgiving baskets this year. And so uh, we're trying to meet needs in our community here. We're trying to meet the needs of families that have very little. So uh, if you feel led to put something in that offering, we so appreciate it. Also, I could use some names, also extra names for, for uh, food baskets for the holiday. So if you would like a, a, a basket and you need a basket, uh, would you make sure that you give your name, phone number, an address to Pastor Pat Johnson. She's, will you wave to us? There she is. All right. Praise the Lord. Have an awesome week to, uh, this week. Be blessed and covered in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Make sure you just wave to somebody on your way out. Keep your distance. Amen. Maybe uh, give them an elbow 
or something of that nature. But have an awesome week in Jesus. And live stream family, we love you. Thank you for joining us. Have a Jesus-filled week. Amen. God bless.